On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast, we look back on Utah's 38-13 win over Washington State. The Utes have a bye this week, an opportunity to get Zach Moss another week of rest, and we talk about the future of Britton Covey. That and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Hey, this is Larry Kristoviak, and you are listening to the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at Mr. Mac, home of the big sale now where you can get one suit for $2.99 and a second one for a dollar. I'm joined this week in our Swank Salt Lake City studios by my colleague Jody Genesee. Jody, how are you? Doing great. Thanks, Uncle Dirk. And I've got my son, Austin Facer, here Hi, as Dad. well. Good to see you guys. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for joining me. Hey, let's talk about the Utes. They're ranked 17th this week, coming off an impressive 38-13 win over Washington State. Jody, did the margin of victory surprise you? A little bit. I didn't. I thought the Utes would win, but I didn't think they'd win quite by that much. What really surprised me is how well the defense played, though. I mean, Utah is the team that looked like it was the top-rated offense in the nation, not Washington State. And so I thought on both ends, the Utes just played superbly. They did good. Now, Austin, the, the secondary got challenged USC didn't do so well. They bounced back in a big way, getting two interceptions, 12 pass deflections or breakups. They obviously came to play. Yeah, for sure. Um, Francis Bernard and Jalen Johnson got the interceptions for the Utes, and uh, I thought just across the board, everybody in the secondary played really well and uh, shut down that air raid attack from Washington State. Jody, you alluded to it a little bit, but Tyler Huntley is playing, probably the best word to describe it is phenomenal football right now. He's taking care of the ball, zero interceptions, leading that offense with confidence confidence. Um, what do you see in Tyler Huntley this year? I mean, he's physically he's bigger than he's been. You know, he's put on some muscle in that, but he's making a lot of good decisions. Do you think that's Andy Ludwig, or is that Tyler Huntley, or a combo? Yeah, no, I think it's a combination of everything. I think the Andy Ludwig factor is certainly uh, prevalent, but like you alluded to, his size, he's able to fend off the uh, the defenders a little bit better, and he's stronger and can escape uh, those sacks. Uh, I think he's just, he just still has zero interceptions this late into the season is pretty remarkable. He's also, he hit nine receivers on Saturday. I thought that was impressive. So he's getting the ball around. Three of the guys had 65 yards or more. So it's not just a, a one-man attack. He's he's getting everybody involved. And they did this uh, offensive uh, explosion without Zach Moss. So really, he's taking his leadership up another level. Right. And let's not forget, we'll talk a little bit about Britton Covey later too, but they were also without Britton Covey. Right. So yeah, and Samson Nakua came in and just played superbly. Top receiver, top running back. But yeah, let's talk about those receivers that stepped up. Sansom Nakua was obviously one of them. And Jody, what did you see from the other guys? Well, I think that they're really getting a lot of separation. You're seeing wide open receivers, and they're making plays. They're making the catches. It seems like they're getting some good blocking out there as well. I think this receiving core is really coming into play. And guys that didn't have as much time earlier in the season are now getting that opportunity or stepping up. What do you think, Austin? As far as uh, the receivers, uh, you know, everybody everybody has been waiting for a coming out party with these guys, seeing who will step forward in that. With Britton Covey uh, out indefinitely and probably for the rest of the season, there's going to be more opportunities for some of these guys to step up and show what they can do. Yeah, that's exactly what Joe, like we what we saw in the Washington State game. Um, we saw no guy had more than five receptions, which is pretty good. That's just how well Huntley was able to distribute the ball. And I just just like you said, with uh, Covey out, now there's an opportunity for someone to become either the, the top receiver or for them to just do it in platoon fashion. 
passion. And I don't know, maybe we'll see more of that uh, going forward. I love Brian Thompson, what Brian Thompson continues to do as well. Right. I, I mean, that's some big plays. He, yeah, me. he's making big plays. He, he has that 82 yard uh, reception earlier in the season. He had a 54 yard reception this week. He's just becoming a, a receiving star for them. You know, and what's interesting is going into the season, I think a lot of hopes were on uh, Jalen Dixon to be the deep threat for this team. And, you know, he's actually been used kind of in a different way. He's still contributing in that, but uh, Thompson really has kind of stepped up to be the, the big play receiver at this point. Feels like they'd like to see Dixon kind of do those jet sweeps as kind of more his game. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, he's got the wheels for He's it. very fast, yeah. That, oh, guys, uh, let's talk about Tyler Huntley. Um, he's moving up a lot of the career list of the Utes uh, up there in the same rare air as Alex Smith and others. There's a value, obviously, in a senior quarterback, and I think we're seeing it this year just because you put all the intangibles, experience, staying cool when things matter. And he's remember, he's gone through a couple coordinators, too. You know, he's really a smart quarterback. Yeah, I think he's moving into that echelon with, with Alex, and, and I think he also has a lot more Brian Johnson in him than I ever would have predicted. So I, I think he's, I, I mean, early, I remember early in his career that he was kind of known as like the, the guy who could pull it down and run when he needed to. But now we're seeing that he's very capable passer. And I think that's that's definitely been one of the stories for the Eats this year. And we saw him; he, he did score yeah, running yeah, as well. Which he did. Was, yep. That was huge to get that that touchdown at the end of the first half that that he had. But I'm looking at the um, yeah two at, touchdowns. Well, wow. right yeah. as as one would do looking at the Utah Media Guide because that's what I do for for fun reading. But he's I mean at some point in this season we're we're not going to just be saying hey how good is Tyler Huntley compared to quarterbacks in the state, which I think he's showing right now that he might be the best quarterback in the state. Everybody talked about Jordan Love, Zach Wilson hasn't had quite the season and now he's injured. Tyler Huntley is we're wondering now where he's going to end up in the upper echelon of all-time Utah great quarterbacks. He's really getting up there. I like as far as career yards, he's he's approaching that Alex Smith I mean, He's probably never going to reach Scott Mitchell or Brian Johnson, but he might end up being an all a top five all time Utah quarterback. Well, and he's one of the winningest quarterbacks, and that's what the bottom line is: is you know, as a starter, how many games do you win? And he's uh, racking them up, and it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses. Utes have a bye this week; they'll get back at it. We'll see if that bye does the Utes good or not. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. But uh, does this start to the season surprise you by Huntley? Are you, either one of you is surprised because he did show up to training camp, you know, he got injured last year, missed right. missed the Pac-12 championship game, missed the Holiday Bowl, but he came back and he had some swagger to him. You know, people were saying, boy, are you going to get a battle from Jason Shelley for the starting job? And then he goes, no, I'm the quarterback. And he's always been that way. And Kyle Whittingham has said that his leadership, he's the leader of the team, the unrivaled, unspoken, uh, undeniable leader of the team this year. And the guys are following him and he's doing a good job. You know, interesting thing is Kyle Whittingham talks about the ESPN's total QBR rating and uh, he thinks that's the the best thing and that just sort of puts a bunch of stats together that produce wins. You know, it still comes down to why is your quarterback winning football games? And he's ranked 8th in the nation right now and he's moving up in in those rankings. Uh, He's kind of moved his way into being one of the elite quarterbacks in the nation at this point. If he's ESPN says he's 8th overall. Right. I, I think you hit the nail on the head too and you wrote about it this week as well. 
well about, about how it's not just during the games that he's doing things right. It's in practice as well. And so oh, yeah. it's one thing, you know, you, he's showing the leadership like throughout the week. And that's huge. And you know that he did that last year at the end of the year as well, even though he wasn't on the field during those five games when he was hurt. He was still with the team and, and showing leadership skills. And then for him to bust his butt over the in the offseason to gain 25 pounds of muscle and to get himself into that tip-top shape, that really speaks volumes. And other people are watching and other teammates. And, and so, yeah, it is a little bit surprising that he's playing this well, but he worked his way like this. He's not just playing well because he's throwing the ball well right now. He's playing well because he had the right attitude a year ago when he got hurt. You're right. And, you know, it's not just physical. All of a sudden, it's mental, too, because he has a new coordinator he's dealing with, and he had to learn Andy Ludwig's uh, scheme. And, you know, credit to Andy Ludwig, you know, he's built this offense around Tyler Huntley's strengths, and that's uh, established the run, and that opens up the pass. It's a common theme in football. But Huntley's doing it well. Yeah, it's for sure. Um, we're just looking at these post game notes from the U- from uh, that the university provided for us, and it it actually said something that is kind of surprising. It said uh, here, senior quarterback Tyler Huntley put to- put together perhaps his best all around game in an outstanding season on Saturday night in in the win over Washington State. And usually you don't see like uh, an athletic department, uh, you know, go ahead and put the stamp on that. Say it was such a fantastic game. So I think uh, for him to do that with Zach Moss out makes it even more impressive, and just speaks to how how much he's evolved as a quarterback you and know, how important he is to the team. Well, and then, you know, throw one other thing out there. He hasn't had the, the most cohesive offensive line in front of him this season either. I would disagree they've with that. Some, well, they've had some injuries that center Orlando Amanda missed a couple games. They've had some guys out with injuries. They've pieced it together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're not getting the same five guys out there that you've, you know, traditionally get. But that, I think as everybody gets healthy, that'll get better. Because you're right, he hasn't been sacked much. Yeah, that's where I would disagree. It says right here that the youths are actually Ninth in sacks allowed, uh, fewest sacks allowed at just uh, under a sack a game. So I think I think whatever they've been doing, they've been putting it together pretty well. And Jody, a lot of that is Huntley's just eluded sacks too. He looks like he's going to get sacked, and all of a sudden he pops through the line. Yeah, that was my favorite play from two weeks ago. When he, I mean, it was like a, a zero a zero gain yard gain, but he had made all these different uh, moves to to get rid of the or to not, to avoid the sack. He did that the other day. It wasn't. It was a really important play on the fourth down where he looked like he was going to get sacked and he pump faked a couple times and then he managed to get the, the pass off and it was a short game but it, it kept the drive alive. He kind of re- reminds me a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger in that aspect where just this big dude he's obviously more athletic. That You love my Pittsburgh Steelers. Thanks analogy. for bringing the Steelers into it. I just <laughs> like I, to put a plug in for the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> why we can. Dirk, how many fingers can do I have to put up to show how many Steelers Super Bowl wins are there are? <sighs> <laughs> I got one for Seattle. Which finger do you think it is? <laughs> Thumbs up there. Yeah. All right. There you go. But I digress. I, it just his his size and his mobility, it's just real. You have to wonder now, like, because of he's shown how, how mobile he is and his accuracy and leadership, uh, maybe he's turning himself into an NFL-type quarterback as well. That'll be interesting to see play out. Yeah. And, you know, he's, it's interesting. Like you said, in a year's time, he's you know he was pretty good last year. Year, but he's really making progress this year. And before we uh, move on, a prediction: Is he going to throw an interception this year? And if so, when? 
Yeah, they'll throw one, I think. I mean, just nobody's perfect. Against dude. Oregon State or maybe a little later in the season? Um, I mean, I that, that's say, a road yeah. game. I think that would be probably, yes, I, I think he'll end up throwing probably a half dozen interceptions. And that's okay. Like, it's fun right now that he has zero interceptions. But the more often you throw the ball, the more often you're going to have interceptions. And that, that doesn't mean you're playing poorly or you're a bad quarterback. I mean, obviously it'd be amazing and remarkable if he had zero, but it's going to happen eventually. But with Zach Moss still being out, they're going to need him to pass more and more as well. So, Well, you know, interesting thing, um, I think the Utes are one of nine teams in the country that haven't thrown an interception, but only two teams have played five games that have no interceptions. The Utah Utes and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Pretty good company to be in. Wow. That's point. Some, some good uh, good trivia there, Dirk. I think they both think, were yeah. red, too. That's that's kind of cool. I believe, and I believe Urban Meyer coached both teams at Whoa. one time. So, hey, before we move on, let's put a plug in for our sponsor. Mr. Mac. They have a great deal going right now. You can buy one suit for $299, get a second one for a dollar. They do alterations. They have stores in almost all the malls. Mr. Mac, your two-pants suit headquarter and official sponsor of the Deseret News Jude Insiders podcast. Moving on, guys. We talked a little bit about uh, Britton Covey. Um, I had a chance to talk to him this week, and he said it was not likely that he'd play again this season, and he kind of outlined the situation that needed the injured in the Pac-12 championship game. He worked really hard to get back on the field, but it's uh, continued to swell up. He said it got really bad uh, after the USC game, and doctors told him that when your knee is swelling up, that means it hasn't completely healed yet. That's just a sign of that. He's been wearing a brace. You know, he insists he's just as fast as he's been, but his quickness, obviously, in making cuts have come into play. But, you know, before last week's game, he led the Utes in receiving, punt returns, kickoff returns. So he's still playing at a high level, but it, he's, as he said, he wants to play at the highest level, and that's why he's leaning toward a redshirt year at this point to shut her down so he can come back next year without that brace. How big of a loss is losing Britton Covey? I mean, I think it's a, a, a big loss. I just imagine Huntley having one more weapon. That would that would be fantastic. And he can do so many things once he gets the ball. So, like, his yards after catch, are just, you know, that's where he is really dangerous. Uh, the one thing, I, the point I wanted to elaborate on that you had, you had mentioned, I'd read the quote that he said that, you know, right now he's playing at like 80 or 85%, which a lot of receivers are, are really good. He's really good at 80 to 85%, but... He said you need that extra 15% if you want to be special. And I love that attitude that he doesn't just want to be a a really good receiver. Uh, He wants to be a special and when he's at 100%, that's exactly what it what it is. So I actually like that he's sitting out right now. I'll say he's the little guy, mm-hmm. but he does big things. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, absolutely commendable that he even continued to play football after the way he got hit in that Pac-12 championship game last year. I've never seen a guy take punishment like that, and being as tiny as he is is pretty remarkable for him to keep going. I think um, I think it is a loss, especially on special teams, with his you know uh, explosiveness in the, the punt return and the kick return. But you know they didn't have a single punt or kick return last week, and uh, they still got the job done. So I think they'll be okay without him for now. How did you do? You guys think that he is a guy that uh, would come back if? Let's just say Utah went to the Rose Bowl and that, because in talking to him, he said he'd do whatever the team wants him to do. But he also mentioned that if he misses four or five games while getting his knee strengthened up again, by the time he gets back, 
it'll take him a couple of weeks to get back acclimated into things, and he may only see five or six plays, so it's probably not worth it at that point. Would you agree with that, that the timing of this injury, is of this decision, is probably best to shut it down just because the season's almost halfway over anyway? That's a really interesting question because that would be like a, perhaps a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play in the Rose Bowl. Right. And so he would be giving up a year of eligibility to play in like the Rose Bowl, which who knows if they'd ever get back. So if, uh, gosh, I, I, what would you this do? is a fascinating <laughs> uh, look into the millennial mindset. What, what? I think that, well, there's part of you that says, well, he didn't really, he did help a little bit early in the season, but he wouldn't have really necessarily helped them get to the Rose Bowl this year, but he's been such an integral part of the program for the last couple of years. So he probably deserves that type of opportunity. And so if I'm him, I actually probably would, would, sacrifice a year to play in the Rose Bowl. You never know if you'll get that chance again. Yeah, That's true, but let's just say you get that chance and the things are going well for the Utes and they only put him in for five or six plays. Is that worth it? I consider myself a high school football player and I had one JV tackle. So, I mean, <laughs> I, who am I to say? <laughs> Still remember my first JV football play. I was on the kickoff team. We're playing West High up at East, and they kicked it to the guy right in front of me. He ran by me and my 10 teammates and ran all the way down for a touchdown. And who did the coach yell at at the end of the play? Me. <laughs> you should have got him. I said, he ran by the whole team, coach. So I know what you're saying. I had to throw that little story in. Cause my, hey, my, one of my greatest as an East trainers. alum, you'll, you'll appreciate that my one tackle was against a West High player. Oh, good. I hope it was that kid. Yes. Any chance? Well, we're not really the same age, so. He, <laughs> he might have been, been a, a super, 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 super senior. Super, super, super senior. We talked about, like, along the subject, we talked to Sean O'Connell the other day in the press box, and he was a little hesitant maybe to go down on the field, was kind of wondering, because right. he wasn't a big member of that 2004 team, but he was a player. Like, he was part of that team. If you're part of that team, then you deserve to be recognized and honored, and so I think even if Covey were only to get five or six plays, he deserves that moment well, and that chance to be on the He's one of the field. reasons the program is where it is. Exactly. Because of the things he's done. Um, let me just, uh, before we move on, i just ask you guys, have you noticed a difference in him this year? Did, do you think he lacked that explosiveness that he showed before the injury? Yes. Yeah? I do, yeah. Mostly on kick returns or receiving or both? I would say every aspect. He's not. I don't think he's been nearly as explosive as he has been in years past. And, you know, yeah, there, was one re- there was one return where he, I think he went about 30-ish yards, and he almost looked like him, but it looked like he was wearing heavier shoes. I know what it's like to wear heavier shoes. <laughs> No, he, uh, he he's a, he's a a great uh, young man. He's just a stand up guy, and he answered all the media questions, and he always does. He's, he's just honest and uh, forthright, and an asset to the program. And you know they are going to lose a lot of seniors this year, going into next year. But I think it's going to be a little comfort for Utah fans to know there's a guy like Britton Covey back for the next two seasons. This, this is the route they right. go, and and if he does redshirt, he'll get to play in Provo again in 2021. That's a good point, which he'll love. But, you know, I I think it's almost a hundred percent certainty that he's he is going to take the red shirt, but you know they they've left the door open. But I think when Britton explained that you know just the comeback process and the limited action he might see after may 
not make it worth it. It may be better just to, as tough as it is, sit this one out and come back for the next two years. So be who he, he said he wants to be who he is. And there's something a little different about him this year. He doesn't have that explosiveness. And, right. uh, but it's not from lack of trying. I had the opportunity to go up and uh, uh, we did a story on him over the summer and went through one of his workouts. And he talked about solitude all by himself. But that guy was busting his high knee up there and doing everything he could to get back on the field. And that's commendable. And that's uh, it's part of the process. Um, guys, bye week. You think the Utes are just going to lounge around the pool this week and talk about how cool it is to be 4-1? and one? If I were on the team, I, that's what I would push for. Yeah, I would, <laughs> let's do that, yeah. I'm sure they'll play some video games as well. No, this I mean, obviously, bye weeks, they, they have two bye weeks, and this one comes at a good time after, you know, this early in the season, a couple Pac-12 games uh, under their belt. And now, you know, we don't know how long Zach Moss is going to be out, so this gives them one week extra for him to, to heal up a little bit. Um, and they'll have some time to, sh- to shore up their uh, some of the deficiencies and the weaknesses they have as well to prepare for the rest of the season. So I, I think this bye week comes at a perfect time for them. I, I wasn't there, but I'm guessing Kyle said something about how important it is to get healthy during a bye week. Is that right? Yes, that's one of his favorite uh, yeah. bye week quotes. So. Now, the other thing, someone asked him, they said, wouldn't it make sense to, to rest Zach Moss an extra week? Do you really need him against Oregon State? And, you know, in the Pac-12, going to Corvallis is dangerous. Ask, you know, Stanford. They found out. I know Stanford and Utah aren't at the same level, but that's a tough place to play up there because there's a little bit more apathy than there is in Salt Lake City. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think with Zach Moss, uh, Kyle Whittingham said, we want to get him back as soon as possible and get him back on the field. And, you know, resting him an extra week may not make sense because then you got another week in our game that you have to spend some time getting some rust off him too. Maybe get the rust off at Oregon State because the schedule takes a turn. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. All right, guys, looking at the week in the Pac-12, USC lost, which kind of opened the door for Utah to get back in the South Division race, even though the Trojans hold the tiebreaker. Uh, at least they're you know, equal in the loss column now. Is that a big deal? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the I don't really feel like the door was ever closed necessarily for Utah to win the division, but I think it just shows that the, the path is not going to be necessarily permanently blocked by USC uh, potentially running the table. I think, I think the door is still wide open for Utah to win it. You know, and since the division was created with Utah joining the league with Colorado in 2011, three teams from the South have gone eight and one. Nobody's ever gone nine and zero. Oh. So to back Coach Whittingham's statement that nobody will go undefeated, that's been proven with history. I don't know if uh, eight and one is necessary to get it done this year, but certainly a seven and two or six and three is going to keep you right in the race and the hunt to the end. Don't you think, Jody? Yeah, right. I mean, right now, like you have Colorado and Arizona that don't have any loss but everybody else has at least one loss. So I think even six wins, it's a really competitive division. So it should be fun to see how it plays out. And, you know, obviously plays Oregon State, Northern Division team. But, you know, toward the end there, there's a lot of head-to-head within the division. And those are two game swings because it gives you the tiebreaker and a a game up. So get on that. Well, guys, uh, it's time to turn things over to Mr. Tom Barberry and Jody for our special segment. I'm Tom Barberry, and it's time for Utah by five. For this week's Utah by five, we have an ode to Tyler Huntley, and I think he deserves all the the, the props and uh, and recognition that he gets. 
points. So there's all sorts of uh, interesting stats and information out there about Tyler Huntley. So let's get into that. Number one, he is really moving up the ranks uh, in, in the national amongst the national quarterbacks. He's seventh in completion percentage. He's completing seventy four point six percent of his passes, which is almost the same percentage of words I spell correctly at the, at the Deseret News. So yeah, that's very very it, impressive. But... Yeah. Well, thanks to copy editors. He's twelfth in passing efficiency. You mentioned earlier that he was eighth in ESPN's total QBR, and he's ninth in yards per pass attempt. This is I just he's off to an outstanding start in his his senior season. Uh, we mentioned earlier as well, like where is he going to end up as far as uh, Utah historically is amongst the quarterbacks? And he's right now he's you almost have to put him at number six all time, and he's six all time in career passing yards, six all time in career completions, six all time in career wins with sixteen, and he's ninth all time in career TD passes. So he just keeps on moving up the ranks. I think he's going to end up being a top five all-time Utah quarterback. He's also, we talked about his leadership and his smarts. I, th- I thought it was interesting that he's on, on track to uh, receive his sociology degree this December. So he's, you know, he's taking care of business in the school as well. And uh, just digging through the uh, the archives, he's a two-time honorable mention Pac-12 all-academic player as well. So he cares about more than just football, which I think helps him with his football game. I looked back in, in the history of Tyler Huntley. Uh, you know, the, a lot has been made about the Hollandale connection with, with a couple of the other players, but he was such a tremendous high school football player, and it's just interesting to go back in time to see how that is kind of repeating itself. But he was a four-year starter, had 34 wins. He passed for 9,053 yards and 108, 106 touchdowns in high school. And I like that he was also involved uh, as a youth football instructor. He, he did things for uh, the community and other students so he just he shares himself uh, he's not just sharing the football but he shares his time and himself with others and back then he was also getting credit from other uh, we heard last week that the uh, coach from USC had given him uh, props and obviously Kyle Whittingham called him uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the country this week but going back to his high school he's he's just been uh, praised by other coaches as well so and Jody isn't it amazing you think about that Tyler Huntley Zach Moss and Damari Simpkins were all on the same high school team Probably that's benefited Utah quite well. <laughs> yeah, they need that connection to continue. I thought this was an interesting quote from Mercury News columnist John Wilner. He says Tyler Huntley has added 25 pounds to his frame, but he looks to have grown three inches too. His command in the pocket just makes him appear taller, and it's just that's kind of interesting. I, I need to do something to gain an extra three inches in, ah, in height. So maybe way you are. I need more command in the in the pocket. Just a reminder, every Wednesday we have our Youth Insiders newsletter at the Deseret News. Go to Deseret.com to sign up, and you will enjoy Utah by Five and so many other goodies. Jody, that's always a good read, and I encourage folks to do the same. Get on there and get that newsletter. Jody does a great job with that. It's always a good read. Guys, uh, final words. Uh, Let's talk about that law that was passed in California allowing uh, student-athletes to be compensated for their likeness and such. Austin, you're, you're the resident millennial here on that. You like it? Yeah, I do. Um, I do have some questions, though. I under, is it that it's it's they're enabling them to be paid, or is it mandating them that they get paid? Well, it doesn't kick into 2023, and I think they're still working the logistics out, but I think the bottom line is it's a law now, so the NCAA cannot sanction a, t- a university uh, that compensates their players. So that it's changed the game. Yeah, I mean, for me, I see it as a, as a tremendous positive. I think LeBron James had a really interesting quote earlier this week about how had he gone to college 
college, he feel, he feels like he probably would have been exploited for his likeness. And who knows, maybe next time around, the next LeBron James is going to be able to cash in on his likeness. And that's not necessarily a great thing, but for guys who come from like really, um, you know, let's say, uh, less than terrific backgrounds. Uh, you know, financial, financially speaking, that can be a huge boost for their family. So I, I see it as a positive. I know the uh, the Salt Lake Community College newspaper uh, benefited from my likeness, and I would actually like some some back pay for that. I, actually, that was I was joking with our our great leader Kent Condon about this yesterday. But the community college students aren't able to benefit from this financially. I thought that was I'm not quite sure why, but I I think there's some mis uh, con, uh, misconceptions about this. The money will be coming from how I understand it. It'll be coming from Nike or, or whoever will be paying them uh, for their likeness uh, or for their endorsement. I don't necessarily think it's coming from the university, is it? I think there's a lot of logistics still to be worked out, but the bottom line is, is and Kai Whittingham alluded to this yesterday, he said they've got to create a level playing field because you can't have the haves and the have-nots. You know, the, the rich schools, you know, they, they could be a recruiting tool as well. Say, hey, you come to you know our, our big-time university and we'll take care of you. And then but maybe the kid wants to uh, go to a smaller school. Maybe Southern Utah's on his radar. They don't have a chance. Well, yeah, there's like five five-star linebackers headed to Chico State now. I mean, yeah. everybody's going to want to go play in California. It just seems like it's... But that's another point is that other states are starting to pile on. And, and the report yesterday from the Associated Press said that the two lawmakers in South Carolina were looking at uh, trying to get a legislation into their state as well. So this could spread. It's I don't... I personally, I think college students, student athletes are already compensated. I don't like this. I think that there should be a clear line between amateur sports and professional sports. Uh, I I don't like that college players, they're already getting this uh, a great benefit in, in their education and all these other things that they, they get along with that that normal students don't get. So I think that should be where it ends right there. Darren Ravel had a really interesting tweet on this. He's the, the, the sports business reporter. He was like, I'm not arguing for or against college athlete endorsements, but this is what comes with it. One, the, in, the end of the NCAA. Two, fewer rules, more cheating. And I, I think that's totally what we're speaking about. We're, we'll see guys like... We'll, we'll see colleges start to bid on guys and maybe do some some dirty dealing under the table. So I think it, it could open a monkey wrench for a lot of different things. Well, uh, Pandora's a, box, so to speak. A lot of people want to stick it to the NCAA and uh, this is a, this is a start in that direction. So I agree with you, Jody. And Osan, I think it opens the door to corruption and they need to figure out a way to, to keep the box closed a little bit because I think there should be a fine line between being an amateur and a professional. And uh, I just think in this high stakes world of sports, now, you know, these colleges with a lot of money, they're going to benefit from this. And these colleges that don't have a lot of money are not. It's that simple. I just don't think a, a kid at Weber State can be compensated the same as the quarterback at Alabama, ever. You know, I don't even think it's close. So, we'll see. Um, guys, basketball gets underway uh, next week. Uh, Pac-12 Media Days in San Francisco. The women are on Monday and the men are on Tuesday. Basketball's almost here. Are we ready to make that transition yet? It's Doesn't too matter. bad they don't play this Saturday. Let's let's get yeah, it as well. <laughs> Finally, could be good to get it going. But uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to believe basketball season's here. And uh, you know, I don't know where the expectations are. I know that uh, Lynn Roberts thinks she's got a good team up there, and there's some good expectations up there. The men's team, Larry Kostoviak, a lot of question marks, a lot of new faces, a lot, a lot of, of freshmen, a lot Tons of freshmen. Like, don't they have eleven freshmen on that team and yeah. only one senior and one junior? It's it's insane. Yeah, and then you know, and then you got Timmy Allen. 
Allen and uh, Booth Koch that are probably the and Riley Batten, that, you know, the veterans that played a lot last year. They're sophomores, so it, it's going to be interesting. Do you guys think the Utes will be competitive? I don't think they'll be very good. That's just my my take. Right. I I mean, with that many new guys, it's going to be hard. That's uh, they lost five guys that didn't graduate. That um, there's just that program seems a little bit in disarray right now. But on the on the other side of it, uh, this gives Coach K some time to mold together some players that hopefully will stick around and, and maybe they can build something for next year or the next year. Yeah, he, he said he really likes his team and that they've got they're cohesive and they work hard. So that says something, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not unheard of to see a team with a lot of freshmen do well. That usually happens at Duke or North Carolina, <laughs> or obviously, Kentucky, or yeah. Kentucky. But uh, I, I don't see that happening here. All right, guys, thank you for your input this week. Thanks for joining us on the show. Listeners, thanks again. Just a reminder, the Desiree News Youth Insiders podcast is sponsored by the good folks at Mr. Mac. Head over to a mall and get yourself a suit. Guys, the three of us would look a little better in suits, wouldn't we? Absolutely. If you'll buy the two ninety nine one, I'll get the dollar one. I have a dollar on me. Guys, thanks for joining us. I want to thank uh, Richie and Kent for their help behind the scenes here. And uh, we'll see you later.